So this is actually the first time I've been back at my desk since the last time we recorded. <laughs> I've been... Oh my gosh, are you serious? I'm serious. I've been... So we recorded last Friday, and then on Saturday and Sunday, I was doing some stuff in the shed, and then Sunday afternoon is when my back just locked up. And I've been in bed. I've been in bed the entire week. Literally oh gosh, the entire Aaron, week. This is terrible. the first time I've been back at my desk. I know. It sucks. So I got I got an MRI. Um, so I've seen an orthopedic because I was the first an orthopedist because that was the first person I could get in to see on Tuesday morning. Um, and he was like, yeah, you need to get an MRI and then go talk to a, a spine doctor. So I got an MRI, a big old bulging disc right into right into my nerve. I saw two spine doctors. Um, I, I guess they're called um, spine surgeons, but that makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they both recommended getting an epidural injection before okay. doing any kind of surgery, which makes me feel good because that seems way more conservative than like taking out the disc or something. So well, they shave the disc down. Isn't that what they do in the right. surgery? They shave yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And both of them said like this, you know, this steroid injection may fix it all together. It may not do a thing though. So it's kind of, I'm getting it at three o'clock today. So we'll find out tonight. Well, they said it could take a day or two. Um, so I'm really hoping that it just fixes it all together and I don't have to have surgery. I'm 32. I'm not old enough to have How, back surgery. I have to ask, like, is this a chronic problem? Because my first thought no. when you told me was, you're kind of young to have I this know. kind of a problem. No, it's not. I mean, I've I've been in pain for the... I've been in a different pain for like 18 months. My neck and my shoulder have been in pain for a year and a half. But I've been in... I've had this leg pain for like two months. And I've been like stretching and getting massages and then finally on Sunday, it was like, nope, you can't even straighten your leg anymore. You can't walk. It's like, oh, my Ugh, gosh. Awful. So, yeah, the one the one doctor that I really like said, you know, this, this can just happen. Like, you can just be doing something and it just, like, the disc spurts out and... This just happens. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be depressed about it. I was like, oh, that's good because I feel pretty bummed about being thirty-two and looking down a back surgery at this point. So yeah, but I am just hoping that the steroid shot calms everything down. I got an inversion table off of Amazon yep. for one hundred and thirty bucks, which is insane. So I can like flip over and like stretch my back out. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, been kind of a kind of a rough week. Oh, that's awful! And, and the like the kicker is I've been having to lay on my side because that's the only way that's really comfortable, and so I can't like sit in bed with my laptop and like do stuff. So I've just I've just been laying there watching TV. I've watched the entire season of um, Alone on Netflix. Have you heard of that show? Mm-mm, I haven't heard of it it's crazy. They drop people into the wilderness just to live. Um, and then cocaine cowboys. I watched all of that, but it's kind of, de- it's been kind of depressing, honestly, cause I like can't yeah. do anything. I want to like yeah. be working on stuff. I can't do a freaking thing. So, wow. Yeah. So anyway, that's how I'm doing. Yeah. So mostly terrible. 
but mostly um, terrible, mostly terrible, but with a glimmer of hope today at three o'clock, although I am fasting all day. So that makes things crappy too. No, no food or drink past 8am. So I'm both thirsty and hungry. Hopefully tomorrow is better. Hopefully. Welcome to the show, people. This is a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tell me, you talked to Andrew today. What were y'all doing? We, yeah, we're doing great. Excited to kind of get ramped up with this client and um, look at some of the issues they're having. I think this is such a great place to start because they're going to have such a huge data set. Mm -hmm. It's going to be really fun and really challenging, I think, to figure out. We're talking out the like best billions, way. right? Billions of records. Billions right? with a B. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, billions with a B records. Um, and I think what, what it's gonna look like, what we talked about is that the data's gonna come in, you know, kind of like a JSON dump. Mm-hmm. And then we're gonna deserialize that and put it in this events table. And mm-hmm. then the thing is when we query, when we have these nested queries, the there's concern that the join the way we have it set up right now to just automatically do all these nested queries mm-hmm. is not going to work. We're just going to lock up our database. So we mm-hmm. talked about kind of doing these nested queries in a way that they just return the IDs, um, which I don't think is going to be an issue, but I've got to look at it. So it's a little different than the way we have it set up now. It'll actually be breaking out individual filters, right? So the different models mm-hmm. will have different filters that all come okay. from this singular query. But the different filters... Okay, wait, wait flesh, flesh that out for me. So different models, i.e. a customer and a product, those are those will have different filters, right? Show me customers that, one, two, three, and products that, ABC. Is that what you're saying? Right. So when you look at the way I think we're going to be querying this data is you're saying, mm-hmm. send an email to a contact where the contact mm-hmm. has purchased a product and the product was green, Okay, got it. But because of the nature of the size of these tables, mm-hmm. we're discussing and returning it in such a way that you get that you receive that query and you go down to your product. The first thing you're going to do is query for products that are green, return mm-hmm. the IDs, and then feed the IDs into the one level higher query in order to make it a little more performant. So that's okay. what we're talking about, like playing around with right now. Okay, this is. This is, I love this. This is, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here because this is the stuff I wanted to talk about. <laughs> okay, so tell me, um, and I don't know how far y'all have gotten. So Like literally gotten, this, this was a 20 minute conversation. We haven't looked at it yet. Okay. So this is So just- is the thought to pull the IDs into memory, like pull them into Ruby and then bind them into a different query in memory? Or is the thought to push that all down into Postgres somehow because they're using Postgres, right? Or so, time stream or whatever it's called. Yeah. So the thought right now is to do it in Ruby. Okay. So, so the, the um, I was going to say we're talking now about Timescale DB um, not being like our sole source of truth. I think we had mm-hmm. talked about this a little bit, and mm-hmm. so that data is going to be dumped into. To, we're going to go with the model domain structure, right? So that mm-hmm. data is going to be dumped into the model tables, and so. Yeah, that would be, so you would basically go into your product filter, pull out the IDs. That would be in Ruby that you're keeping track okay. of that. Okay. That is interesting to me. Um, that, to me, sounds less performant to pull it into memory versus doing, 
So I know that there was some discussion. The way that we do it currently is we use um, independent subqueries, right? So we use our, our refine builds up subqueries and then executes everything all at once as a giant statement. And the statement contains multiple subqueries. And so what we do by default, just as background for other people, what we do by default is we push everything down to the database layer. So we don't pull anything into memory, but we do essentially the same thing that you're suggesting where you do basically like a where in and then you pass in you know, a bunch of IDs. What we're doing is we're doing a where in and then instead of passing in IDs, we pass in, well, we have another SQL statement in there with the thought being that the engine, the database engine can optimize whichever route is best to do that. And so it can run all of those and then build them all up together. So tell talk to me about the other way. So that as background, that's what we're doing. You know this, but that's what we're doing. And so what's the thought with pulling it into Ruby instead? So the concern is that's going to lock up the database. And I have no idea. I don't know yet. So this is all new, right? We just, ca- we just talked about this mm-hmm. and spent a short period of time talking about it. The concern is that we're going to have trouble with that query because there will be some joins in there based on the table relationships. And I haven't looked at this model in all of its relationships, but the concerns is, is trying to do those joins on those multiple tables where necessary mm-hmm. is going to give us some trouble. Okay. I think this is going to be interesting because this is like, obviously this is the biggest data set we'll have done this with. And this is actually the first Ruby implementation that we've done so it's kind of a it's kind of a double whammy um so by default refine as far as i remember refine doesn't use any joins whatsoever we use the sub selects is that oh no we changed it for ruby we changed it for ruby right that's right and I'm I'm just coming back into this after being off it for two months. I know you so got to load it all into your. I brain. gotta like load it back in my brain, but I am relatively confident confident there was some relationship where we were like, it's better to use a joins here, mm-hmm. and so maybe that's part of it too, Aaron. Maybe we look at it. I mean, I think the first step here is I just have to see what do we provide out of the box for this particular filter, right? Because we, what we're doing now is we're examining the relationships and we're building up the query, you know, based on the relationship. So I need to see what we're providing out of the box. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's something we can further optimize instead of returning the IDs as one thing and then putting those IDs into the next filter. Mm-hmm. So. Hello, child I, in the background. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We're, we're a very casual show. Hey, buddy. Sorry. Okay. Um, <laughs> visit from my child. Well, that's quite anyway. all right. What were we talking about? Right. So you were saying pulling the IDs into memory. Right. So I think I think the first step here is to look at exactly what we're providing out of the box mm-hmm. and why are you telling me in the Laravel side you don't use the joins ever anywhere? You in the Laravel always side, do we, a don't, wear in? we don't. Mm-hmm. We don't use a join anywhere ever. So part of the part of the thesis there is, or the hypothesis there is, um, on the Laravel side, we don't touch 
so you, the developer provides the initial query, right? Where they say, you know, it's it's the base query, like employees or act or um, users or customers, basically just an, a wide open query. Um, we don't join anything in because then then that means we're adding um, we're adding stuff to the returned data set. So if we were to if the developer were to pass in a base query of like customers, mm-hmm. right? And then we were to join in product purchases, et cetera, all of that, all the way down the line, then the data set that we return is going to have all of that data left joined into it. And the um, developer hasn't explicitly selected that data, but we have added it in. And so we have... Um, unknowingly changed what the developer's expectation is, right? So if the developer's saying, I want my base query to be customers, and then we return a query with customers full of products, full of variants, full of colors, full of prices, they're gonna be like, what the hell? Why did you give me eight tables worth of data when all I asked for was customers, right? And we can't, we can't modify the selection either because what if the developer has already modified the selection, then we have to go in and look at, okay, which columns are they selecting and how do we like, how do we add or remove the ones that we're modifying? So we just leave the select alone completely. Does that make sense? Yep. That makes sense. So whatever the developer asks for, we will give them and we will add in the necessary subqueries to get to the place we need to be. Right. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. I have to go back and look at this implementation to remember why it's a little bit different on the Ruby side. I don't recall off the top of my head. I don't either, but I do remember talking to you about why, like needing to change it to left joins for something, but I cannot remember why we did that. Well, this might be a good opportunity to have, I mean, maybe we surfaced a good issue here, right? Like this yeah. might be a good opportunity to check that out. And the, yeah, remember. the frustrating thing is like, how do we, oh gosh, I can barely move. Oh my gosh. How do we, um, how do we test anything against a billion records without having a billion records? I have no idea. <laughs> That's going to be fun. That'll be fun to figure out. I, I don't know. Like, do we how have do to you run, actually... do we have to run a seed? To get a billion records on your local machine? Oh my gosh. <laughs> my Mac won't make it. It'll just, Ooh, it'll explode. Like that. It'll just start smoking. How. There's got, I mean, I mean, I don't really know enough about tables this big. I'm sure there's a way to do that, right? There's got Yeah, and I don't know service. if there's a functional difference between a hundred million and a billion, honestly. Um, the biggest tables we have at Resolute are, I think, 50 million, maybe 80 million, something like that. Okay. Um, but no, we don't touch, we don't touch a billion. Yeah. And it's going to be so dependent on their, on their like hardware. This is like a lot of interesting challenges. That yeah. It's going to surface. I think this is going to be is what, super this is fun. What sucked you back. Suck you back <laughs> in. <laughs> totally is. <laughs> it totally is. I was like, you could, I could do couldn't this leave. billion records. This uh-huh. is so cool. I'm super pumped to see, like, to, to get into these problems and to see where this takes us. And, you know, yeah. we'll be rock solid once we figure out everything Seriously. on this side. Because this is some data. Yeah. 
So their main source of data is going to be events table. Is that right? And that's going to hold like, that's going to hold like clicks and purchases and email opens and all of that stuff. Yes. And then the side, the little bitty stuff on the side is going to be like customers who did something in the events table. Right. Right. So the customers is like millions just a few million and then just a few the, million. <laughs> the events is the billion and they're going to want right. customers, but customers who did, you know, X, Y, Z in the events table. Right. That is my understanding. Um, is so you're looking at something like uh, the, the sample I was given was send an email to a contact where the contact has purchased a product that was read and has not yet been emailed as part of campaign three and his name is like, these are crazy queries, right? And his name starts with C. You so, know what? It's going to be exciting. You know what is so just kind of thrilling to hear about that sentence is if you hold constant, the fact that we'll figure out the billion rows refine does that. Like we can, yeah. we can build that query we can build that right now. It's pretty cool, right? That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be pretty spectacular. That's really exciting. Yes. Okay, well, that's cool. So you and Andrew were just like catching up to see where y'all are at right now? Yes, because I'm just getting back into this after mm-hmm. a couple months. It's been a couple months. So I just yeah. needed to get the lay of the land in terms of what's the status of this database and what do we need. And so we were just reviewing some of that. And so we were brainstorming how what this is going to look like when these events start coming in and how mm-hmm. we're going to save them because there had been discussions of different databases and using different you know engines um but i think we're going to go esoteric like, stuff yeah we're going to go like model based which is what you and i had talked about ages ago i think i think that's mm-hmm. going to be great for refine because that's going to really enable it us is. to use the power that we've built here instead of writing another you know dsl on top of it so i think we're <laughs> we're all good it's going to be fun problems, but yeah, I'm just getting my head back in the space to remember what we're looking at. And you start for real, for real on the 23rd. Yeah. So something I'll, like I'll start working more with them. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Relatively soon. Hopefully very soon. Okay. Do you want to talk, um, contract stuff? What contract stuff? The stuff that we're waiting on. Right. I don't know that we need to talk about it. I think we're good. Okay. We're so just we're waiting just, for it to be waiting, signed. Waiting on signatures yeah. and that'll be And it. so, um, yeah, we're just waiting on that to be signed. And I don't think there's going to be, I haven't heard that there's going to be any problems. So hopefully that'll happen today. Okay. And then you saw the thing from the lawyer about the LLC being yeah. in Texas. And so let's talk not- about that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So... In in my in my stupor, I, I read a little bit of the attorney's email, which is not a good idea. But basically, what I gathered was they're basically saying like, if it's a Texas LLC, which it is, then we should get somebody else to do it. Yes, that's is that the correct. gist? That's the gist. So okay, that's a bad gist in my opinion. <laughs> that doesn't seem great. No, I mean it sounded to me. My interpretation of that email was. We don't know the Texas laws, so if you want to keep mm-hmm. it a Texas LLC, we cannot help you and we cannot represent you. If you want mm-hmm. to disband that and start an LLC in Illinois, we can help you with that. Thoughts before I have my thoughts? 
I I have no thoughts. I have many thoughts. I have, I have, <laughs> Tell me your in thoughts. Fact, I, in fact, I have one thought, which is many. Um, I kind of think we should just start over. Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, with that. we would need to figure out the accounting ramifications of that. Um, but I I kind of think at this point. So Sean and I have no operating agreement. We own this LLC 50-50. It's made, you know, X amount of money of which we've paid, you know, 0.9X out to you. Um, I guess less than that because Sean has been billing hours and that money has been staying in the company. Um, so, and it, the LLC was formed by me going on to the Secretary of State website and paying $300 to file the LLC. So I'm not tied. I would like to keep the name. Um, but if we could, I think if we could just start over and have the attorney do it, because that would gain us, obviously the attorney, which we need and the ability to have you like written in from the start instead of like, somehow added on to whatever Sean and I already have. Um, I kind of think we should just disband or kill the Hammerstone, Texas entity and start a Hammerstone, Illinois entity. That certainly seems like the easiest solution. I don't know. It does. To your point, there's nothing about it being incorporated in Texas that makes it extra special. And there's nothing, it doesn't sound like there's any, I mean, that seems reasonable to me. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, Sean's on vacation, and since we bothered him so much last week, we shouldn't bother him. But when he gets back, we should talk about that. Um, and I'll ask my accountant, and he can ask his accountant named our accountant named Aaron, um, if there are, what the accounting ramifications of that are. It'd be great if we could just like, if Hammerstone Illinois could acquire Hammerstone Texas and just close it down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fun stuff. I freaking hate that stuff, man. I Me hate, too. I hate I, the attorney stuff. I hate the I accounting stuff. I am like, actually just... an accountant, and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> so much. It's just so frustrating. Yes. Man. And so complicated. Doesn't it just so feel so unnecessarily complicated? Why it does. does it have to be I mean, so hard? I don't know. We're not dummies. We could right. we could figure this out, but why does it seem so complicated? Right. Seriously. Oh, goodness. Okay. Anything else on your side? No, no. I'm just getting up and running, and I'm good. Okay. Um, let's see. On my side, I've been in bed all week. Um, I got an inversion table. These are the highlights of my week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not not super great stuff. Um, we have so it's in, it's interesting now because you're a part of like you're a partner in Hammerstone, and we've I've have got all these other like Hammerstone side projects going on. So right. Hammerstone is a side project, and then I have side projects for the side project, obviously as one does. So Torchlight is one of them, and Torchlight is the syntax highlighting um api are you have you seen all of this are you familiar with torchlight i'm not actually really familiar with it great well you own part of it so i will explain it Sweet. to you now please do so um 
when I was building the Hammerstone website, um, I was writing all the docs for Refine and everything, and the syntax highlighting options out there were really frustrating and really crappy. Prism JS, Highlight JS. Uh, there's another one. Um, and I tried them all, and each one missed something in a novel and frustrating way. And so everything ended up like looking slightly wrong. And so I started writing this like I found I found this open source library called Shiki that does like basically VS Code compatible um, syntax highlighting, but it's really frustrating to use because it's. Um, it's not client side. It, it's run. It's a node process. So you have to install node and do the whole thing. Um, and their renderer kind of sucks. Like it doesn't have line numbers. It doesn't have Git diffing. It doesn't have a bunch of stuff, right? So I started writing this solution for the Hammerstone website um, that ha- includes line numbers and focusing so you can like blur out parts of the code you can collapse parts of the code you can add line numbers um do all sorts of stuff and so as i was writing that i spun that out into a standalone service called torchlight so it's now in it's now an api um with a couple of different clients one being laravel and then let's see there's a there's a markdown client for php there's one for, there are a couple for static site generators in PHP. So we have some specific static site generators. Jigsaw is one of them. And then Statomic is a, a CMS that's not quite the same, but a little bit. Um, and so it's got all these clients. I've launched it. I've got, I've got, we've got um, like 200 people on the waiting list. We've got nice. several, several people, um, using it in production. A few people have signed up for paid plans. The Fathom analytics team is using it for their website, um, for their docs website. Laravel news is using it for their website. So we've got a lot, like we've got a lot of people using it and it's got a lot of traction. Um, at least, you know, from my perspective and Andrew wants to use it in bullet train. So that was the thing I messaged, a message y'all about last week is we were going to have one of our chat friends, Barry. Have you ever talked to Barry in the chat? Yeah. He was at retreat two years. Yeah, that's right. We were going to have Barry do it, but Barry got um, slammed with work. And so now we're going to have somebody else um, write us a Ruby client and it's going to be, um, Andrew's going to pull it into the bullet train docs. So torchlight will power those docs as well. So, kind of the thought with all of that is it's like a, it's basically like, I don't think it's going to make that much money. I mean, the business plan is $14 a month. So there's not, there's not really a lot of room to get rich on it. Um, but I think there's a lot of room to get one, to get backlinks because if, if you use the, you know, the open source version, you have to link back to us, which is going to be great. Um, and two, to get like, to get mind share. So I've gotten a lot of people who have messaged me and been like, this is fantastic. I would love to use this highlighting sucks. I want to put it on my website and people just start like tweeting about how much they, you know, they install it, they put it on their website and they love it. And I think this has been 10 times, maybe a hundred times as valuable as trying to write 
blog posts about, you know, Hey, we're Hammerstone. Please notice us. Um, but yeah, this week has been, this week has been good because a couple more people have picked it up and started tweeting about it, particularly the fathom analytics team when they like, when they bought, when they signed up and started tweeting about it, he DM'd me and was like, dude, I didn't understand. I didn't understand before like the value of this. And now this is like, this is extremely valuable and it's worth every penny that I pay. And you've done a fantastic job. I was like, Oh my gosh. Nice. That's yeah, amazing, that, makes, that makes me feel so good. Like it's so encouraging to, to hear that. Um, yeah. So we're getting close to just opening it up, opening, you know, right now it's behind, it's behind a form. So you go there and you sign up for the early access list. Um, but I think okay. we're getting close to just like opening it wide up and anybody can sign up and anybody can use it. So it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully we can get a Ruby client written. Andrew can start using it. We can start getting some adoption in the Ruby um, ecosystem, the Rails world. Um, but this is a nice little like a nice little beachhead to get into people's, you know, to get into people's minds and kind of get our stuff out there. So that's what Torchlight yeah. is, and you Sweet. you own part of it. Sweet. So Great. if you ever see it, you got to be a hype person because now this is this is part of your this is part of your portfolio. Nice. Cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So that I've been working a little bit on that recently. Good lord, there's no comfortable position. Um, and I think that's about it. Oh, there's one other thing. Um, have you been, do you know what Sidecar is? It's a Laravel package that I've written. I feel like I've heard of it, but I don't know so what that is either. This is, and I'll be curious, like, I think we've talked about this a little bit. I'll be curious how this works long-term. Um, like, in terms of, is this, an, is this a good strategy that we should pursue in the Ruby world as well? Like, should we should we write open source packages for Ruby or rails as a way to gain mindshare um, going forward? So that'll be something that I think will be interesting, but what sidecar is, is it allows you to deploy um, AWS Lambda functions straight from your Laravel application. So you can deploy um, and execute Lambda functions from your Laravel app without having to go through like the AWS um, UI or API or anything. Um, and then you don't have to set up API gateway. You don't have to set up any of that stuff. You just directly execute it straight from your Laravel application. And so that has been another one. I actually got to go on an, um, a podcast recently and talk about that one. Um, and people have been contributing like pull requests to that one, which is a first for me. I've never written anything where someone else has contributed to it, which is kind of cool. Um, so that one this week, somebody added a PR to support container images or something. Um, so when you say from your Laravel application, like how much abstracting do you do from, from do you use like, do they have to go in and set up a SAM configuration? Yeah, so what they do, um, 
so when you when you install it, there's a configure command. So you just run artisan okay. configure. Artisan is our okay. little is the name of our CLI in, in Laravel. So you run artisan configure, and what it does is it directs you to the AWS IAM portal. So it gives you a link in in your console. It gives you a link. Here's you know go to the IAM portal, make a um, set of admin access keys. And it walks you through right. how to do that. So like full privileges to everything. Give me those keys. So you paste those keys into the terminal. And then it walks you through step by step what it's doing. And so it creates um, an execution role. It creates a deployment bucket. It creates a policy. Um, and it attaches it all to the right, um, I don't know what you would call it, the right objects or instances or whatever. And then at the end, it gives you the option to self-destruct those admin keys. So you can use keys to delete keys. And so it gives you the option to say, okay, we don't need, you know, Sidecar doesn't need these admin keys anymore. Do you want to destroy them? And if you say yes, those admin keys are gone and you're just left with your your Sidecar access keys. So in terms of um, abstraction, then all you do is you say, all right, here's my Lambda function. Um, the package is, you know, these 10 files in this folder of node modules or whatever. And then the handler is, you know, image.create or whatever. And then you just call it from PHP. You just say, you know, image, you know, create OG image, execute. And it just creates, an, it, like it goes out to Lambda, creates the image and comes back to PHP. Cool. Yeah, we have yeah. something like that in Ruby. It was actually made by, like, my very first mentor, which is kind of cool. But um, really, yeah, we, what's it called? Yeah, Lam Lambie. I think I've heard of Lambie. Is that yeah? Um, it's custom really cool. It's customing. So Ken Collins, who is like yeah. literally the first Rails engineer I ever met, mm -hmm. um, it, great guy. So he wrote it, and so it's really great. I mean, so you're talking about deploying Lambda functions in that way. It's like so awesome. But, yeah, so yeah. Lamby is one that I've actually looked at. Is is it is Ken in our chat? I thought he was. He, he is, be. but he's not active. But he's, he's like around. I think he's you know inactive in the chat. But yeah, he so yeah. he wrote Lam Lamby Lamby. But it's I mean he has a whole series of talks on it, and he's got a great tutorial. Yeah, but it pretty much it extrapolates a lot. You still have to do some stuff with the Sam CLI, um, mm -hmm. but it's it's pretty hands off if you're not comfortable with. Um, you know, serverless functions. Yeah. So this, so Lambie, as far as I understand it, lets you, does it let you run your whole Rails app on Lambda, Lambda, or does it do function by function? Like you can get out there if you want to. So I, I have not tried that. I've just tried individual functions. I don't know off the top of my head, um, but I know it's something he's constantly, I mean, for this has been around for years, so I think yeah. he's been iterating on it's, it. So it's I would, big. It's, um, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway. Yeah, I remember looking at this. I was looking once at, we have um, Laravel Vapor, which is like, you can just run your entire application on Lambda. And I was trying to figure out how they did something, and I went source diving on, on Lambie as well, because it's very, like, it, as far as I remember, it handles it handles a ton of stuff Lambie does. Yeah, it's super powerful. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah, so that's kind of, I guess that's kind of 
the stuff that I've been thinking about. And I would like to get, whenever Sean gets back, I'd like to start um, talking about the, like the punch list for Laravel view. So we can get that like tidied up and shipped out in the next couple of months. That would be, yeah, that'd be exciting. Be be really nice. Right. Maybe that's a good Christmas present. Yeah. Oh man. I hope it happens before then. What is it? August 13th. Maybe it's a good Christmas present. Yeah. I feel like (laughs) that's that's a realistic goal. (laughs) That's four months. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, But that would be really exciting to get that rolling. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Okay, well, let's see. I don't think I have anything else. This is fun. I'm glad I'm glad you're you're game to do this podcast. I'm excited you're here. Yeah. It's different when, than my other podcast. Like you guys are uh, yeah. like whatever, someone walked into the room. It's So your other podcast so- Software Social. Tell me you've said that before, so tell me how this is different. Like <laughs> I think I know, but tell me. (laughs) (laughs) We, I mean, we had a couple really specific goals in mind for that podcast. And, you know, we have sponsors now and we try to sound, Mm -hmm. so we chat, but we're not like, hey, how's your back feeling today? Like, what's going on with you? How's your week been? Because this is the only time, you know, you and I will probably chat per week. Yeah. It was like, hey, Colleen, how's it going? Let's start recording. (laughs) Right, right, right. So it's just different. We're a little more, we're not scripted at all. And we don't, we don't pregame. Like, so I don't know what Michelle's going to say and she doesn't know what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. But we do try to stay focused on topics. Mm, yeah, that's where, that's where this is a little bit different, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but this is cool. I dig it. This is really low. I mean, low stress, like low stress. Chat. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's, um, there's another podcast I listen to called No Plans to Merge. It's pretty big okay. in the Laravel space. And it's these two dudes who are both like very good programmers. But they talk about fishing more than they talk. <laughs> I swear they talk about fishing and labor policy. Last week was about um <laughs> Cole's cash. They talked about Cole's cash Cole's for like cash. 30 minutes, <laughs> how they pay you to shop there. And oh my gosh, man, it is so funny. And I, I really appreciate those episodes. I like the ones where they like talk about programming for sure, but sometimes they go off on a tangent and I just, it just makes me laugh so hard. So yeah, this is a little, this is a little more focused than that, but definitely less focused than software social. Yes, indeed. So hopefully you enjoy it. Okay, well, that that can be our exciting outro. That's how we can end the show and just say, we'll talk to you next week.